Welcome everyone, this is the Bread of Life and I'm Joel Van Hoogen. I'm the director of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism. We have full-time missionaries stationed in North America, South America, Europe, and Asia, and we have ministry representatives carrying forward our commitment to equip and engage the body of Christ in evangelism, discipleship, and church planting in a number of countries around the globe. To learn more about our work and to inquire how you can help us raise up disciple-making disciples, go to traincpe.org. I'm also the Bible teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. Our great pursuit in God's Word is to always find the road that leads us to Christ, exalts in His gospel, and finds in Him our complete sufficiency. You can learn more about our fellowship by going to breadoflifeboise.org. We've been looking at the reconciliation promised to us through the death of Jesus Christ. We have been looking primarily at Romans chapter 5, verses 10 and 11, where Paul says that we, having been reconciled by Christ's death, much more shall be saved by his life. And in that reconciliation, Paul tells us, we rejoice in God. We've also considered Romans 5, 10 and 11, juxtaposed against the words of 1 John 1, 3, where our reconciliation is set forward as a fellowship together with God. I'll read this verse to you now as we move on to consider this gift that is ours of being reconciled with God. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, writes John, that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Interesting enough, as John is writing about the fellowship that he's offering and proclaiming to the believers that he's writing to, that they might be encouraged and know the fellowship he enjoys, he casts that fellowship before them in sensory terms. He says to them in verse 1 of John chapter 1, 1 John 1, that which was from the beginning, that which we heard, that which we saw with our eyes, that which we gazed upon and our hands handled concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you the eternal life which was with the Father and which was manifested, experienced by us. And John is writing to them to invite them into fellowship and the very terms he uses are sensory terms. Sound and sight and touch and I'm sure John could also tell you what it smelled like to rest his head upon the breast of his Savior. He knew all those experiences, and he was saying this was an expression of our fellowship with the one who was the everlasting life, and we're calling you and we're inviting you into that fellowship. And when John speaks about these things, he's not merely talking about, and when we speak about reconciliation, or when Paul writes about reconciliation, Paul's not necessarily talking about associability with God, an ability to come up and just kind of have a casual relationship with God. He, he's not talking about just being psychologically at ease in God's presence. He's not talking about the fact that you can kind of go out and here's a person that you can just kind of stroll your way into his presence. That's not the point. That's not what he's saying. There is a vulnerability in our part because we are being taken up into the hands and we have a relationship with the almighty God who is powerful and mighty, but he is wanting us to know we're secure. We're secure in His presence. We can rest in His presence. That the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ has brought an end to the hostility. That we've been saved from sin and judgment, but that salvation is not simply a negative thing. We've not simply been saved from sin and judgment, but we've been saved to something. And the thing that we've been saved to above everything else, here it is, 
The thing that we've been saved to above everything else is fellowship with God. It's brought into a relationship with Him so that when we witness to somebody again, we might share with them what this decision to come to Christ is like and we might take them to Revelation 3, 19 and 20 where Jesus says, Repent. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and I'll sup with him and he with me. And we'll explain there is the repentance and faith in which you accept the terms that God has laid down to be reconciled with him. And in that reconciling moment in which you repent of your sins and you believe in what God has provided for you, you open your life up to the presence and the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ and you are brought into a life of fellowship and relationship in which you renew yourself in him and you enjoy him. Listen to the words of 1 John 1.3 again. And truly, certainly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And I want you to see here the first thing that John wants those individuals to know is this, that this fellowship is sure. That's what we're talking about. There's an assurance behind it. Surely, truly, certainly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And there is assurance in this reconciliation. There is ongoing fellowship that follows this reconciliation. And so in verse 10, Paul is underscoring the same idea of the certainty or the assurance or the truth that we are reconciled. If God reconciled, if, if God initiated the work of reconciling us to himself when we were enemies, how much more now that we've been reconciled shall we enjoy the fellowship is basically saying, Shall we come to enjoy the end of our salvation, which is fellowship? How much more shall we be saved by his life, is what he says. See that word there, it says in, in Romans 5.10, if you're going back and forth between our passages. So Romans 5.10, where it says, how much more shall we be saved by his life? The, the word there, by, is an unfortunate translation in the Greek, because the word there is in. How much more shall we be saved in his life. The idea is that and having been reconciled to Jesus Christ and having believed in him, not only has Christ come into my life and I've received him into my life by faith, but I have been firmly planted into his life and I'm in him. And in Christ I'm received. In Christ I have access to everything that God planned in my salvation and that everything is ultimately fellowship with God. I have access to all that God has to offer me of Himself because I'm in Christ. We sing the song, Arise, My Soul Arise, that was written by John Wesley, and there's a line in it which says of the Son, speaking of the Father to the Son, it says, He cannot, the Father, cannot turn away the presence of His Son. His Son comes freely into the presence of the Father, and here's the idea, I'm in the Son. God can't turn away my presence either. I'm secure. I'm assured in Him. And my salvation is open to me. It's given to me and granted me in full. And it cannot be denied me or taken away from me. So truly, certainly, certainly, our fellowship was with the Father and with the Son. That's the thing that's being said here. It's a sure thing. It's a sure thing. And, and it's a shared thing as well. Paul says, we have, look, look at the we there. The we have been reconciled. If we when we were sinners, and if we, when we were enemies, and if we have been reconciled, and the word we there, and I just want to say here that Paul is not just speaking to a large crowd of people and read that verse and say, I, I, I. Paul's actually saying something. 
There's a community of reconciled people that have been established. We've entered into a shared experience. This is not an exclusive thing. This is for all and for everyone who will come. And when they come, they shared and united experience. And, and that's what John says, right? He says, we write to you that you might have fellowship with us. And our fellowship was with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And this reconciled life is a reconciled life into a community, which, which together we enjoy and we experience that life. And, and not only that, it's, so it's sure and it's shared, but it, it's the same. It's the same experience. The reconciliation and the fellowship that John is saying they experienced where they heard him and they saw him and gazed upon him and handled him, those deep sensory relationship that he enjoyed, he's basically saying, you can have the same relationship. You can progress into the same deep, intimate relationship. And that's why Paul says, we, we've been reconciled. Paul, you and I together have been reconciled. And we now in Christ have access to the same salvation. It's the same experience. It's the same fellowship. There's no tear of favor here. There's no person who somehow goes along in their life and so they work their way into an advantage position where they enjoy and may know a better experience of fellowship with God than the newest believer. So John goes on to write in 1 John chapter 2, and I think it's verses 12 through 14. He says, you know, I'm writing you little children, right? And then he says, I'm actually, I'm writing you young men. I'm writing you fathers. He breaks the church down into those who have journeyed with God for a long period of time, those who are in the midst of the fray, those who are new believers. Of the fathers, he says, I write to you because you've known him who is from the beginning. It makes sense. They've walked with God. They've experienced him. They've known him who's from the beginning. They've built their life around this deepening fellowship with him. And maybe you've been with somebody like that. You just know they've lived a long life and they've lived that life often in the presence of God, enjoying His fellowship, and it radiates from them. That's their unique fellowship they have. And you think, well, that makes sense. That makes sense. They've been a Christian for so long, and they've been faithful to Him for so long, and they've learned the life of prayer, and they've learned how to enjoy God. And He's writing to you, fathers, because you've known Him who is from the beginning. And, and then you read the next very next line. It says, I write to you, little children, because you've known Him. You've known the Father. Oh, Wait. The little child has access into the exact fellowship that the old saint and the old spiritual father has as well. There, there's no favoritism. There's no degree of joy and benefit and blessing. It's, it's given to all, to be experienced by all. It's sure, it's shared, it's the same. That's what John is writing about, and that's what Paul is talking about as well when he speaks about this if we have been reconciled, when we were enemies, much more shall we enjoy. Shall we be saved in his life, experience the saving benefits of his life? Well, here's the third thing. I want you to see here that this reconciliation, this fellowship, as it gives expression in our lives, at the heart of it, there is the expression of joy and praise. There's the expression of joy and praise. In Romans 5.2, take your Bibles now back to Romans chapter 5. And in Romans 5.2, Paul speaks about expressions of exaltation or rejoicing or boasting. And in 5.2, he says one of the great experiences of the Christian is that we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And here he's talking about this joy that floods over us as we anticipate the full outpouring and the full realization of God's glory 
when God reveals himself and we're with him one day. He's pointing us towards the future and the hope of that coming glory that will come upon all the earth when Jesus comes and he returns. The Bible talks about that time when we'll see him. It says we'll be like him as he is. Oh, that will be glory for me. When we see him, when we look upon his face, we'll know and experience an intensification of glory and the unfolding and the unveiling of the complete and powerful glory of God will be transfused throughout all the earth. And in that moment, the realized glory of God upon the earth will bring me into my realized glorious state. And at that moment, I'll be glorified with him in heaven forever. And we look for that moment. We long for that moment. And that's the final, I might say, expression of the, our salvation. So he says, we glory in the hope or we rejoice, or we, we joy, and we exalt, or we boast in the hope of that glory that's to come. And, and then Paul says, actually, we glory in tribulation. We've just talked about that. We glory in the trial and the difficulty because it shows us that the great longing and the great faith of our life, it purifies and demonstrates the enduring character of our faith, which was a character that was underlined and underscored by the love that God had poured into our hearts when he saved us. So we glory in trials as well. But now Paul says, this passage in verse 11, he says, now we rejoice or we glory in God. First it says, we rejoice in the hope of glory. We're rejoicing the outcome of that day when glory will come upon the earth. And then it says, we rejoice in trials because of outcomes that we experience and things that are proven in the midst of our trials. But this passage just says, we glory or we rejoice or we exalt or we boast in God, just in Him. No outcome here, no thing that's being produced, just glorying in Him. Thanks for joining us at the Bread of Life. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.